Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Finally, it's game week. Joining us in just a moment will be Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic Detroit. But first, my view from Section 17 to get us started as we do each week during the season. I still remember that sickening feeling I had watching our bowl game last December against Florida. That game and the Ohio State debacle left me ticked off and discouraged. I couldn't believe our defense had been torched and our offense looked lost in both of those games. I remember sitting in my lazy boy after that game and thinking something has to change. We have to start utilizing our athletes to the best of their ability and put them in positions to be successful. I didn't know if or how that would happen. And then just weeks later, Jim Harbaugh made the announcement he had hired Josh Gaddis away from Alabama and he would bring him here to install the pro-spread power offense and even call the plays this season. I never doubted Jim Harbaugh. I'm even a lot like him when it comes to how I'd like to see the game played. I'd like to line up on offense and physically control an opponent, just pound them, and you sprinkle in the pass game for extra measure. And that makes me a dinosaur in a lot of ways. This game is now vastly different than when Jim Harbaugh played here and even when he coached at Stanford not that long ago. The question became, do you just keep pounding away with two tight ends, a fullback, and play power ball? Or do you start utilizing the players you have to the best of their ability using a spread-style power offense most of them have played in some form or fashion since high school? Jim chose to make the change, a huge one in hiring Josh Gaddis and bringing him here to change this offense and even call the plays on game day. Jim Harbaugh might be stubborn, but he has proven over these last four years he is more than willing to make changes if it is for the good of the team. We all get frustrated because we want things to happen faster, and we want to beat Ohio State in the worst way imaginable. I'm always optimistic before the opener, and whether you've been watching Michigan football for decades or you're a young fan like me, you are ready and expecting a big year from our Michigan Wolverines. Now, despite what is a brutal schedule, I think this is going to be a very, very good year, one that could very well end up with a trip to Indianapolis, and 
maybe even the college football playoffs. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. As Bo used to say, you take it one day at a time, one week at a time, you prepare, and you take care of business. This Saturday, Middle Tennessee State invades the big house for our opener. It's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff, a night game. As Nick says, they aren't the usual chump opener. We are far more talented at each position, but this is a pretty decent Conference USA opponent. Beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Athletic Detroit joins us next on this week's game day show here on The Michigan Man in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. this on our game day segment as we get ready finally uh, for the opener is Nick Baumgartner from the Athletic Detroit. Great to have you back with us, Nick. Like I feel like every time I come back on here you have a different job or I have a different job, right? So hopefully oh. this one sticks for a while. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, we'll, we'll keep it that way. That's what I was going to mention. It was a couple of weeks ago I started getting emails. Do you know where Nick is? Do you know where Nick is? And I was, <laughs> I was thinking uh, you and I have been getting together on this podcast for quite a few years now and you know yeah. going back to when you were damn live uh then the detroit free press and uh just a few weeks ago you joined the athletic detroit which is just an outstanding i've been a subscriber for years now you're going to be covering more than just michigan football though aren't you yeah so a little bit of everything really especially this fall i think it'll be uh you know a lot of michigan a lot of michigan state um and even some lions so um in time i think that'll expand to other sports but, you know, for right now, for me, um, you know, getting getting a chance to do some other things in addition to Michigan was was pretty appealing. So uh, really excited and, um, you know, it should be a fun year all the way around. Well, it's been good stuff. As I said, The Athletic is a daily read for me. It's also great you're sort of reunited in a way with Brendan Quinn. Are, are you going to be doing any about that? Any kind of a podcast yeah. soon? Uh, n- not, not only with Brendan, but just your own podcast? Yeah, we're going to have, uh, I don't know what all I'm allowed to say, but Brendan and I will, <laughs> will have a podcast. Excuse me. Uh, probably by the end of this week, yeah, I'll have another one, uh, just Michigan football related uh, as well. So uh, that'll all be well served. I know people love their podcasts as I do too. Uh, I know all your listeners wouldn't know what to do, Mike, if you weren't around every every week to <laughs> to get them through their drive. So uh, we'll have some stuff, uh, some fun stuff planned, uh, you know, sooner than later. Well, good deal. We'll keep our listeners posted on that. But in the meantime, it's uh, great to have you with us to talk about. The start of another season, it seems like it's been so long. Uh, the last time we all saw a Michigan football game was in December in that dreadful bowl appearance against Florida, just uh, an ugly yeah. game. But changes ensued as the new year arrived. And as you said in The Athletic last week, Jim Harbaugh has won a lot of games doing it his way. He's also won a lot of games by evolving. And bringing in Josh Gaddis is another example of that kind of evolution, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, and it was really interesting at the end. Like you mentioned that bowl game, it reminded me, you know, when the thing ended and we kind of asked him, you know, what are you going to do here? And his initial reaction in the moment was, I'm going to keep everything the same. My my initial reaction was, no, you're not. 
Like, there's, there's no way, you know, because he was going to get back uh, to Ann Arbor at some point in the next week or so, whenever that was, and he was going to look at tape, and he was going to look at the fact that they had three super athletic receivers um, do basically 60% of what they probably could have done. I mean, it wasn't a functioning offense in terms of, um, you know, its ability to strike with any kind of quickness. They couldn't play from behind, all those things. And there's too much history to suggest otherwise from standing pat. I mean, he's never just stayed the exact same. They've always changed something, you know, if it doesn't work, um, whether it be, excuse me, one little wrinkle here, a new position coach there. So I knew there was no way it was going to just be status quo. Um, I didn't know how much further down the road they would go in terms of, you know, introducing the RPO stuff and really ramping up a more spread-based concept, but obviously they went all in with it. And, um, you know, now I think he's painted himself into a situation where they have to embrace it. He has to embrace it. I think he has. And, you know, you, you kind of burn the votes with this because you can't just revert back to 22 personnel with fullbacks um, when you spent nine months in 11 personnel spread out shotgun with no huddle. I mean, you can't just go back to that in the middle of week three because you're frustrated or something. And he knows that he's a better coach than that. So uh, I thought it was a great move. Just like I thought last year, it was a great move to fire or whatever, whatever you did with Tim Drebno to get Ed Warner. Um, that was critical, at least on paper. This one was a good move as well. Now we'll find out if, uh, if Josh Gaddis can put it together. Well, let's talk about this offense, Nick. And as you said, on paper, uh, this team has the personnel to, to have a, a dynamic offense on the field. I don't think anyone's going to argue that point. It would be nice yeah. if the whole thing clicks right out of the gate on Saturday. But in reality, it might take some time for this, Nick. I would think so. I, I think that you know, timing of everything um, is probably going to take a minute. I'm sure they're going to have you know, an issue here or there with just basic stuff like yeah, getting the signal in, you know, like um, that's brand new. I mean, it used to be a huddle. So you're getting rid of that. I mean, the, you've, you've worked on that now for all spring, all camp, but I'm sure there'll be some stuff, you know, as they go forward, some operational things that are a little bit uh, hiccupy, uh, maybe some assignment stuff as well, but not some of it, some of it I, I would think might come along quicker than you think because, you know, their run schemes are basically still the same. You know, they didn't change any of that. I mean, you can – the only difference would be for the quarterback. So the offensive line is still going to block inside zone, but it's tagged with, you know, a front side slant or something. And so that's quarterback receiver. For the offensive line, you know, that's the same as it ever was. So that's not that much different for them. Um, I think for the running backs and the skill guys, yeah, like you said, Mike, I think those guys – there could be a learning curve there. I think I've heard a lot of people say a lot of things about a lot of stuff, and that includes Urban Meyer, uh, yeah. Uh, who yeah. is now apparently on TV. <laughs> but he did have a good point. Uh, one of his points, anyway, was that you know you can't just go from from a downhill smash mouth, you know what what have you, and overnight turn yourself into a spread team. That's that's really hard to do. That's true. But I would also argue that Michigan spent probably sixty percent of last year slowly transitioning its run game into a spread run game it's just now the pass game has to has to come along with it so they're probably yeah they're, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't be throwing my remote at the wall if they don't score 40 against middle tennessee uh but you know by week three or four if they're still 
sputtering, you know, maybe then you, you can have some frustration. Well, you know, bottom line is you have a senior quarterback. It seems like this offense is uh, tailored for him, a dynamic receiving core, including the tight ends. The best offensive line we've fielded in a, a decade or more. So there yeah. is no reason this offense won't eventually work, is there, Nick? No, I don't think so. But, uh, I mean, on paper, and again, that's all we can do right now is project what we know on paper based right. on who they have coming back and everything else. Uh, no, on paper, they have everything they need. There's there's nothing that I would look at and say, and that's why you know I picked Michigan to win the league. I think everybody knows that by now. But, I mean, I did it because when I look around the league, you know, I see all these teams that, you know, pretty good football teams, but they had some glaring questions that were like, you know, you don't know who your quarterback is. That's kind of a big deal. You know, he's never played in your system before or with your team. That's kind of a big deal. That's Ohio State situation. Obviously, they're loaded, but your quarterback's brand new. Your head coach is brand new. Those are, those are not just things to gloss over. You know, Michigan State's defense is, you know, at a championship level, but its offense is a disaster. Like, that's not just like – that's not just something we say, oh, well, it's not a big deal. Michigan, the only thing offensively uh, you can come up with is not a lot of depth at running back. But as you just said earlier, when you're fielding, I would say probably the best, oh, shoot, probably since like 2006, 2007, uh, best offensive line since that time, I think that's going to help your running back position. So I think you have good receivers, you have a senior quarterback, you even have a good backup and a good third stringer. I mean, they have like the most deep, you know, the, the, the most depth in their quarterback room of anybody else. So I think they have more than enough. There's no reason for it not to succeed, barring some sort of like massive rash of injury, but they even have depth. So uh, now it's, you know, it's up to the coaching staff to go put together game plans and execute and uh, make sure they're in a the position to do their thing on Saturday. Well, Nick, let's talk about that quarterback situation for just a moment. In the uh, Big Ten Media Days uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jim sort of raised a few eyebrows when he talked about how he needs to get Dylan McCaffrey in or wants to every game. Yeah. So that that is going to be interesting to see what he means and how that develops, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I still don't know if, if that's... Uh been answered as, as to what he wants to do or if he's decided against it or or what yeah. have you but um but it's interesting and i think it was certainly worth exploring even if they landed on like you know this past week in practice or something like okay yeah shay's he's just he's still so much better we're just gonna go with him and we'll get to him there whenever we can but the fact that dylan was playing so well through spring and working out as well as he was in summer i think you owed it to yourself to at least think creatively of, okay, are there things we can do to, you know, take advantage of what we probably believe is one of our best, you know, shoot on offense, probably one of our best 15 players. Uh, and I think at the end of spring, I think they believe that, um, you know, what do we do to take advantage of this person? If he was at any other position, that wouldn't be hard, but it's quarterback. So you, know, you got to think outside the box a little bit. Um, you know, I kind of looked at it at one time and said, you know, what if say out of, 20 schemes Shea Patterson had mastered 15 and was pretty good at the other five but those five Dylan McCaffrey you know had kind of mastered is there a way you can juggle you know between the two in games because what I what I wouldn't do is just check him in for trick plays and gadget things and I mean I wouldn't do that that's just going to disrupt your flow you're you're better off you know just leaving Shea in there and let him run the offense or if you think Dylan can run it just about as well with a few other with a few other layers to his games, obviously he's faster. 
than just bring him in and let him run the offense with, you know, whatever, you know, flavor you want in the moment. So I really don't know. Um, Shea talked last Friday, I want to say it was, or Thursday. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wants the ball. He wanted no part of sharing it. I mean, and that's I, I heard him say that, and I was like, that's. I think some people looked at it a little funny, and I was like, that's that's what I would want to hear. Yeah. If I was talking to you know talking about a quarterback, I mean, he wants the ball every snap, every play. Uh, believes, of course, that that's his ball and his team, and uh, nothing against Dylan, I don't think at all. So, but at the same time, obviously, I think he's mature enough to know that if there's something that he can add, McCaffrey can add, that'll help them win. He'd be more than willing i'm sure to uh do all he can to help that so it'll be interesting but uh you know i think i'd be surprised if we didn't see him both at some point right in week one i mean that'd be a little surprising but i guess we'll have to wait and see well i know fans hate when you keep bringing up urban meyer but uh, you know i was watching him on fox <laughs> over the weekend and he brought up what you know i think a lot of people are saying is a valid point you have a 35 year old offensive coordinator who uh, is a very good coach. Uh, Again, no one argues that point, but he has never called plays in a game. So until he does, uh, we really don't know, as Urban said, what he can do. No, and, uh, you know, in some ways it's very weird because it's like it's not fair to just default that he can't because he's never done it. I mean, we, we can't say that. But at the same time, it's also not fair, you know, to his point, to just default that, well, he's going to just light up the scoreboard every week and, and call it a great game because we have no idea. I mean, that's – he knows the offense, of course. Um, he understands it. Um, but play calling in the moment, you know, in a pressure situation is a big deal. It is important. And as much as I think I've heard from people who are like, you know, Jim Harbaugh can't have anything to do with this offense. He has to just keep his mouth shut and stay, <laughs> and stay out of it, which is also funny. Uh, the fact that Gaddis does have a head coach who has been calling plays – you know, he's called plays consistently longer than probably any head coach still around. I mean, this guy was basically his own OC for 15 years. I would think that would help. I would think that if you, you're involving him in what you're doing anyway, I mean, that's a sounding board. Even in the moment, I would think that would help. So um, I think this is a good situation for him. I, I thought this, you know, if he looked around the rest of the country, um, obviously he wants to be a head coach at some point, and he wanted to run his own offense. When you look around, I know that there was there was some talk that maybe he'd go to Maryland with Mike Loxley, but this is a this is an offense with a senior quarterback with three, well, we'll say two for sure, and Collins and Peoples Jones, NFL receivers, and three flat could be a third, with other speed underneath, with a terrific offensive line, and I mean, most of these guys put out of the system in high school anyway. So this was a really good setup for him. I don't think it has to be overly complicated. And I don't think that they need to make it that way. I think if you keep things sort of confined a little bit, let everybody kind of find their flow as they go, um, then you should be able to build your offense from week one to week two, two to three, and so on and so forth, which is what any good offensive coordinator always does. And I'm sure that's what he'll try to execute. Getting back to the the running game for just a minute, Nick, uh, over the weekend on ESPN and then on Fox, they talked about if there's a question uh, with the offense right now, it's who will be running the ball. I know last week you addressed that uh, in one of your pieces. And, okay, we haven't seen uh, what Zach Charbonnet can do. Uh, True Wilson right now is penciled in as the starter. But you don't seem to be as concerned about that running game as maybe a lot of the fans are. No, I mean, the only thing that would be an issue would be is if someone got hurt because your depth is just – it's very thin. I mean, that that's the case almost any year, really. Yeah. But right now it seems like 
that's really going to be an issue. Somebody would have to be an outlier to step up. Uh, no, I think that, you know, Wilson, people get skittish about this former walk-on thing all the time. And, I mean, it wasn't like True Wilson was getting reps last year on a team with nothing. I mean, he, he, out, he outperformed a bunch of scholarship guys. I mean, you can say it one way or the other, I guess, right? It's like mm-hmm. he either outperformed a bunch of scholarship guys or they didn't perform and lost out to a walk-on. You know, I guess you never know. But, you know, he comes in there. He's our best best blocking running back. He's disciplined in the hole. He, he takes care of the ball. If the play's blocked for four yards, he's going to get you four yards. And there are worse. There are worse alternatives than that, trust me. Uh, so, you know, he gets what's called. He, he delivers what you're asking him to deliver. Does he go above and beyond talent-wise? No. I mean, that's why he was a former walk-on. But, I mean, he's a steady football player, um, you know, who's really sound at what he's doing. And, you know, a running back room this young without somebody like that would cause me more concern than if you told me True Wilson was going to play, you know, 35% of the snaps or whatever it is. I mean, that I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for Christian Turner, who I think if he can stay healthy – could really be good um you know i loved his high school tape i thought christian turner reminded me a lot of uh Karan higdon at that age and obviously we know Karan higdon turned into a really really good player here mm-hmm. so i like turner um charbonnet everybody knows he's physically talented he's still a true freshman i don't think you can ask the world of him but i think you can ask a little bit of him and i think he can give it to you and between those three if you get one more outlier that's that's three and an extra uh I think you're probably okay, but the bigger thing is they have – Wisconsin's probably got the best offensive line in the league, but I can't I can't think of one who's better than Michigan's at number two. I mean, they have at least the second-best offensive line in the league, one that's going to create room for you, and you're RPOing people, which is going to create room for your run game. That's part of why people do it. And uh, so, no, if you had to tell me you could be thin at one of the spots on offense, receiver, quarterback, offensive line, or running back, my answer would probably always be running back but especially in this scenario, because I think you can plug and play there a lot better than people probably realize. Just because you don't have Adrian Peterson back there or Ezekiel Elliott or something doesn't mean you're not going to be able to run the ball. It just maybe means, you know, 80-yard touchdown runs are probably going to be at a premium. But, you know, effectiveness, no. I think they can cobble together, you know, what they need from that group. Over on the defensive side, Nick, there's still concern. Plenty of talent. Plenty of speed, we all know, but there are questions. Uh, the The defensive tackle depth is one that a lot of people bring up. Now, it could be a strength mm-hmm. in the end, but right now we just don't know, do we? No. Uh, you know, I mean, like you said, there's two freshmen there that are super talented. Uh, Chris Hinton, who I think is going to be very, very good. Um, he was advanced for a high school player in terms of everything, in terms of skill, technique, everything else. And then Mozzie Smith, uh, who was certainly advanced in strength in high school, uh, I don't think he was as polished as Hinton was, but he also had extra time here. So those are two youngsters that are going to learn as they go. Donovan Jeter is still sort of really playing for the first time. Uh, he had his best spring. So that's fine, too. But I think the more I look at it, too, what are you asking, really, these days of that 300-plus nose tackle? You're asking him to play first down, right? Or you're asking him to play first and second down against Wisconsin or – Michigan State or maybe Army, um, but against these teams that spread you out, you know he's coming off the field, and an extra safety or you know an extra box player is going to come in. So I think it's a concern because they don't have a lot of proven depth there. But 
they're versatile enough with what Don Brown does scheme-wise to get around that. You just take the big guy off the field and you replace him with speed, another linebacker who can fill his gap but also cover, and I think it works out better for you in the end anyway. So, you know, those giant run-stuffers, unless they're really, really good, just guys who occupy, occupy space, even at the next level, those things are starting to go away a little bit because you have to be able to pass rush. You have to be able to, you know, probably two gap it a little bit. So just having the giant, you know, you don't see that as much anymore. You don't see guys recruit that, you know, the giant 325 pound kid out of high school, you know, give me the 275 pound kid that I can tinker with. And if I want him to be a 300, I'll get him there. And I think that's kind of what they have, even though Mozzie Smith's a big dude, but those reversal athletes who can play a couple different positions. I also don't think you need to rely so heavily on, a 320-pound run stuffer against a team that's going to spread you out and not run the ball. So I think you can get around it. Again, a concern, sure. Uh, something that I would, you know, have be taking pause on whether or not they're going to win eight or nine games. No, I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, I think they can get around it. Well, there's been a lot said uh, since the season ended with Don Brown making adjustments uh, to the defense. We know the Florida game, the Ohio State game, ugh, was, a, was a debacle. Uh, yeah. A lot of people are saying that's now given him the time to throw in more zone coverage. As you mentioned, though, against Ohio State last year, he was trying that, and there were other times uh, the Michigan defense was mixing in zone coverage during the season. But what kind of changes as far as zone coverage do you think he can really add? Well, I mean, they yeah, like you said, they, they've always had that cover two trap uh, zone check mm-hmm. that they run periodically throughout the season. They had others that they used against Ohio State. The problem with that was, is <laughs> Ryan Day knows Don Brown pretty well. Yeah. And he knows every zone check that he has, and he knows how to beat all those zone checks. So he knew everything they were going to do and when they were going to switch it, and they had a call or a check themselves, you know, ready to beat it, and they did. So that was <clears throat> excuse me, more of a case of you just got got by a, a better offensive game plan than what you had. So it's a really tricky question. Um, yeah. I think we'll see really quickly, though, because Middle Tennessee – is going to spread the ball out, going to spread out wide, and I would assume just go right into what Ohio State and Florida did. I mean, just start start crossing everywhere and try to take advantage of man coverage whenever you can. Um, the problem is if you show too much zone, you're going to get RPO'd, and they're going to run the ball down your throat because you're not going to – they're just going to give. You're going to take guys out of the box, and you're not going to be able to stop the run. And – that's true of every defense anywhere. So basically I think what it has to come down to is you have to get more speed on the field at those spots against those teams where you know it's going to be a problem. Um, not having Amber Thomas healthy as the season starts, it sounds like he's going to be ready to go sooner than later. But that's, you know, you want to talk about concern, that's a concern. Um, you know, depth in the defensive backfield, especially in terms of coverage. You know, yeah, you can, you, can you have more zone checks? Yes. Would I advise anyone – to think that he's going to be suddenly like 50 50. No. Yeah. I mean, that would be like over my dead body. There's no, there's no way he's going to do that. So, depending on the team you're playing, depending on the situation, and depend, yeah, it's depending on how good their athletes are. You know, I think that the, I think it'll be week to week, but I think they'll still mostly be, uh, you know, a man coverage, single high football team. But um, could we see more in there? Yeah. Um, a ton enough that most people would notice probably not uh and i think that that would be all again dependent on who you're playing and, and everything else but i do think that first week we should see maybe a little bit of what they've come up with 
in terms of what are you going to do when they spread everybody out, <clears throat> you're in man coverage, your linebacker goes out with a, a receiver all the way to the boundary or whatever, now what? So those are the things that got him in trouble, and now we'll see what their checks are there. Well, of course, as we know, it all starts this Saturday evening in the big house against Middle Tennessee State, a team most Michigan fans don't know a lot about, I don't know a lot about. Um, their conference yeah. USA team, they won the East Division last year. They don't have many starters back, uh, lost their record-setting quarterback uh, to graduation. Bottom line, though, if you're going to be a national player on the, the scene like Michigan, you got to wax a team like this, don't you, Nick? Yeah, I think so. I, I think Middle Tennessee is uh, not your average jump. Uh, Rick Stockstill has been the coach there for – Yeah. I, this is how old I am. I, my first job ever covering college football, I was covering Western Kentucky. I remember covering a Western Kentucky at Middle Tennessee State game like in the mid-2000s. And he was in his like fifth year then. So, I mean, he's been, he's been around for a long time. He has a program that they uh, feel good about. Like you said, they do lose. His son Brent was their right. stud quarterback uh, who's a record setter for him. Uh, he's gone, so that's obviously a huge transition. But, no, you're right. I mean, I think that athletically there's, you know, there's no reason for you to have serious issues for 60 minutes, you know, based on you're making mistakes or whatever it is. They're, Michigan has better athletes across the board than this team. And it's not like, you know, week two where you're playing Army when Army presents all these unique challenges just because of scheme. This isn't anything you've never seen before. Michigan sees this stuff all the time. So I think it's a pretty good opening a team to open with. I don't think they're terrible, but I don't think that they're good enough to where they're going to be able to really bother you, but they will do some things that you have to work on to, you know, to, to fix some stuff that challenged them last year. So I think it's got a little bit of everything. I'd rather have them than Army in week one, well, yeah. uh, if it were yeah. me. But uh, I'd rather probably not have Army at all if it were me. But <laughs> um, but that's it. So I, I don't think it's anything like a one double A jump, but it's certainly a team that, uh, you know, yeah, they, they, they out-athlete at every position on the field, and it should be one of those games. Well, until we tee it up on Saturday, of course, we're, we're not sure about a lot of things, but we're going to start finding out at 7 p.m. Uh, Saturday night in the big house. So our guest today has been Nick Baumgartner, who uh, covers Michigan football for the Athletic Detroit. Uh, of course, uh, a lot of our listeners, Nick, uh, I've been wondering where you were the last couple of weeks. Tell them about how they can subscribe or find you uh, on The Athletic. Yeah, so any any story I tweet out, you can click on there, and it'll send you right to a, a subscription link. Um, I think the promo code is probably still available. It's just theathletic.com slash welcome, Nick. That gets you, I think, 40% off. Uh, there are other promo codes out there as well, especially with the start of college football season. They always have deals like that. So you just go to the site. I mean, that's uh, there. The, the the signing up is is pretty simple. It's at any any area there. You can download the app, sign up through there. I mean, most of the stuff gets hosted through that app, which is pretty slick. Of course, no ads, no videos, no autoplay stuff. Uh, just content and uh, pretty good stuff. I mean, I, I think that a lot of Michigan fans, I think, have probably already found it because Brendan's so good. Um, but if you haven't, uh, we'd be happy to have you uh, give it a shot with us. So It is good stuff, and I'm sure a lot of Michigan fans are going to find it. So our guest again today, Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic Detroit. It's good to have football back. It's good to have you back, Nick, and we look forward to our next visit in a couple of weeks. Very good. Awesome, Mike. Thanks so much. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
On Quick Hits today, Andrew Stuber is out for the season with his ACL injury, and Ambry Thomas is still battling colitis and is not expected to play this week, although Jim would not rule that out. No other injury information was made available for us. Jim held the first of his weekly pressers of the season on Monday. Here are some of the highlights. Shea Patterson is now officially the starter. Jim still maintains he wants to find ways to get Dylan McCaffrey snaps each week, though. With Andrew Stuber out, Jalen Mayfield will be the starter at right tackle, and Ryan Hayes moves up to number two behind him. Actually, Hayes is the backup for both right and left tackle positions. Will Hart will handle punting, but Quinn Nordine and Jake Moody are still locked in the battle for the field goal and extra point jobs. Jim did not name a starting running back. He said Drew Wilson has experience, Christian Turner is looking good, and freshman Zach Charbonnet has, in Jim's words, stood out and done extremely well. Jim spoke highly of several freshmen and said many of them will contribute. He mentioned Dax Hill as living up to his billing and also said he was impressed with Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton, and DJ Turner. He said tight end Eric All will play quite a bit and receivers Cornelius Johnson and Giles Jackson will be on special teams and could work their way into the receiving rotation. Now don't forget our free show app is available from the Google Play and iTunes stores. You can also hear us on TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeart, Spotify, and radio.com. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or review the program, and we thank you in advance for doing that. And that will do it for our game day show this week. Thanks again to Nick Baumgartner for being our guest. You'll hear from him several times during the upcoming season. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, our guest will be Middle Tennessee State radio play-by-play voice Chip Walzers. We'll also have any news updates and, of course, take a peek at the weather for the opener. I can't wait for Saturday, and I know you feel the same way. So thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to tell your Michigan family and friends about the show. Until Thursday, I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!